0: So Romans chapter 14. It's so important as we study the book of Romans to keep the context in view. I want to remind you of where we've been in this awesome book. It starts with our depravity. It starts with our sin, that we're all sinners and fallen short before the glory of God. But then the gospel, that Jesus loved us while we were at our worst, that he died for us and rose again, that we're saved, we're justified freely by his grace. The power of sin has been broken in our lives. Remember Romans chapter eight, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans nine, 10 and 11, God's illustration, his exclamation point of his unconditional love is his commitment to the nation of Israel. Then we have the divide. The change in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1, God besieges us to respond to the mercy of God and present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Not out of responsibility, not out of legalism, but out of response to his goodness. God, I found you to be so gracious, I want to serve you, to daily lay down our lives as a living sacrifice. So now, at this portion of the book of Romans, it's showing us, what does that look like? In chapter 12, to use your gifts to edify uh, the body. Then in chapter 13, Pastor Robert took us through how we're to interact with the government and honoring the authorities that God has uh, placed over us. As we get into chapter 14, it's how do we navigate disagreements as believers? What? We have disagreements as believers? And this is how we're to be living sacrifices. We're not going to have unity together as believers if our eyes are not on Jesus. If our eyes are on each other, we're going to fail at this. But if our eyes are on Christ and his love for us, saying, Jesus, I want to worship you as a living sacrifice, we'll be able to fight for unity. Do you believe this? Satan is an opportunist. Would you agree? Jesus was tempted when? When he was alone and hungry in the wilderness. Forty days, by himself, no food. Jesus comes to this place and Satan tempts him. Has the last two and a half years, Satan been an opportunist? Absolutely. Did COVID provide an opportunity for Satan to attack? Absolutely. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there's a spiritual element to the reality of what the enemy wants to do. And do you know that the enemy wants to divide believers? And Satan really attempted to divide believers in the COVID pandemic. Yet God wants us to be unified. And Satan doesn't have to win. Why is unity so important? Because John 17 tells us that our unity together as believers points people to the unity that the Father and Son enjoy. Hopefully people that don't know Christ can see the way that we love each other and walk together in unity and go, there's something different about that community. There's something that other communities don't have. They have the love of God for each other. So what am I saying in fighting together for unity? That everything goes? Tolerance? That in tolerance we find unity? No, not at all. Our unity is found in the sufficiency of Scripture, the supremacy of Scripture. Amen? The truth of Scripture, that's where we're united. The truth of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, his death and resurrection. So this is not compromising the Scripture. This is not compromising who Jesus is. What Romans 14 deals with is what we refer to as Christian liberties, Christian liberties are God has given us freedom in Christ to make decisions on what we should do on a variety of things that aren't sin issues, necessarily sin issues. And we will decide differently as believers. And that's what's beautiful. He wants your relationship with him to be that personal and that intimate. But as we get into these Christian liberties... And someone feels convicted to live that out in a different way. If we're not careful, it can bring division. And that's where we have to fight together for unity. That was a really long introduction. I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so verse 1, receive one who is weak in the faith, but don't dispute over doubtful things. Notice that word receive. We'll come back to it in just a moment. If someone is weak in their faith, we're not to judge them. We're not to look at them with contempt or despise them. We're to receive them in their condition of being weak in faith. We're commanded by the Lord, don't dispute over doubtful things. If you're taking notes, write that down. Don't dispute over doubtful things. Well, what in the world are doubtful things? There's so many things that aren't doubtful. The gospel God's definition on sexuality, biblical sexuality, so many truths in scripture that are clearly defined. These doubtful things for the church of Rome was some were thinking that, hey, I am required by God to only eat vegetables, the poor souls, right? They're they're vegetarians not out of diet, but God has called me to do this. And, and others feeling, no, I can receive all types of food for the glory of God. Yes, even a donut I can receive unto the, the glory of God. And this was causing division and tension. These are, these are doubtful things. These are things where Christian liberty comes to play. And, and you can live this out differently before the Lord. And Paul and ultimately the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, don't fight over doubtful things. Are you in or have you been in a disagreement with another believer over doubtful things? We go, man, we've played into the enemy's hand. We're, we're having a fight over something that's not a biblical issue. It's not a sin issue. It's a doubtful thing. But now we've entered into this argument. St. Augustine said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty in all things, charity. Psalms 133 says, How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Isn't unity good and pleasant when there's unity in the body of Christ, unity in our homes? Psalms 133 goes on to say that this unity is like oil on the beard of Aaron. When Aaron became high priest, he was anointed with oil, and the oil came down his beard. There's a, a blessing that comes from God in unity. That unity is like dew on Mount Hermon, this moisture in a dry and arid land. Again, God's, God's blessing, God's blessing being poured out through unity. Going on into verse 2 For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. So one's in this place of saying, God has created it. I can receive it in Thanksgiving. I can eat all things. But another's in a place of saying, I only feel that God wants me to eat vegetables. That was their, their conviction. That's what God had put on their heart. What would maybe be some of these areas of, of Christian liberties uh, today? Well, one is, you know, TV and, and movies. Some have a freedom in Christ to watch TV and movies. There's, there's not, it's not a sin when you watch down, sit down to watch TV and, and movies. Obviously, we want to watch stuff that glorifies and honors the Lord. But there would be some that are like, man, I, I feel led by the Lord to not watch TV or not watch movies or not watch them as much. I think one example is uh, social media, right? I talk with some believers and they go, I feel led to, to not live in that space. It's not good for my relationship with the Lord. It's not good for how I see people. And so I've chosen to not be on Facebook and not be on Instagram and these other uh, platforms. And, and then I talk to other believers and they're like, no, I've gotta be in that space to, to be a witness, to share truth and to share Christ. And it's put me in, in touch with people. It's an important part of my fellowship to be able to stay connected with people. Well, Well, who's right? They're both right as long as they're fully convinced by the Lord. This is what God wants me to do. There was uh, two preachers in England that were both very prominent. One was Charles Spurgeon, and the other was was Packer. And Spurgeon smoked cigars and was pretty open about that. And Packer went to the theater. Well, Spurgeon would preach against the theater, and Packer would preach against tobacco, and they actually had a public fight over their differing views. The, those are doubtful things, right? There's some believers that you'll have peace in the Lord to, to smoke cigarettes, you know, to, to have a, a cigar. And others of you are like, I can't believe that they, you know, smoke a cigarette or have a, have a cigar. It's, it's bad for, for their health. But you have a donut and nobody's complaining. <laughs> like, you're at Krispy Kreme. It's not, it's not good for your health, right? But... But no one's condemning you because you went to, to Krispy Kreme. So you have different convictions, right? You have different ways that the Lord is, is leading you. Another area where this comes to play with Christian liberty is, is alcohol. And that's one that really needs to be prayed through. What does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches to not be drunk, obviously. Don't be drunk. Don't cause someone uh, to stumble. And inside of that, you seek the Lord. And some say, man, I... I don't drink at all. I really feel this conviction of the Lord to not drink any alcohol. And some say, well, I have some alcohol in moderation, but I don't get drunk and be careful to not cause someone to stumble. Well, guess what? Inside of the banner of Scripture, you get to be led by the Lord on how you decide those things. So our attitude towards one another is found in verse 3. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Don't despise someone that God has received. There's something about our sinful nature. If somebody else is not enjoying a liberty that we enjoy, that we want to despise them, that we want to look look down uh, upon them. Or someone is enjoying something that we feel led not to do. We feel feel led to not to do this, and they're doing it. And before you know it, we're starting to despise them. But the key to this is God has received them. God's received them. And how does God receive us? In the gospel, amen? Because of the blood of Jesus, because Jesus has died for us and rose again, our faith in the gospel, then the Father receives us fully, completely, and that's how we're to receive one another, even though they have differing convictions in this area of Christian liberty. We're united on the gospel. We're united on who Christ is and what he has has done for us. So we shouldn't despise or judge someone who God has received. Verse 14, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Why are we judging somebody else's servant? God's the one who judges. God is the one who holds accountable. Now, when people read verse 4, they can often think then, as believers, that we don't challenge each other in areas of sin. The Bible teaches us we're to humbly, in love, considering ourselves, but we're to love a brother or sister in Christ enough when there is sin to confront one another. If you have someone confront you on sin, you have a really good friend. That's not judgment. This is speaking in these areas of, of Christian liberty where we start to judge someone, judge their motivation, judge their heart, judge their love for the Lord based on these Christian liberties. Why are we judging them? when they're accountable to the Lord. You can probably relate to this as parents. Isn't it frustrating if, if somebody tries to come in and play the role of parent to your kids? It's like, hey, wait a second. Uh, I have disciplinary rights on my kids. Like, let, let me know and I'll take care of it. I'll, we'll, we'll go down this process of, of discipline, right? You're, you're not the parent. And I wonder how many times God is saying, hey, why are you judging them? It's not your place. I'm the one who is the judge. I'm I'm the one who's the authority. What really stood out to me is the end of verse 4, that God is going to enable this person to stand. This person that I'm despising and judging, God's actually for them, and he's going to make them stand. This is God's posture towards us as his children, as he's for us, And he disciplines us and he corrects us, but for the purpose of causing us to stand, God's going to complete that good work that he started in us. Verse 5, one esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Switching now to the Sabbath day, you've got Jews and Gentiles that have gotten saved, There may be some Jews that are saying, I need to celebrate the Sabbath on sun going down on Friday till the sun goes down on Saturday. That's the day that God gave to the nation of Israel where you have others that go every day's alike and I'm gonna rest on Mondays. Mondays works well uh, for my schedule. It's amazing this issue of Sabbath still divides believers. If you haven't met somebody yet, you will in time that comes to you and says, you're not really following Christ because your Sabbath is on Sunday. Your Sabbath really should be on on Saturday. And that's a whole nother study, but there's freedom in Christ in the new covenant to decide when you want to rest before the Lord. It's, It's a biblical principle to be in this place of rest. But the truth for us to take away in verse five is let everybody be fully convinced in your own mind we should pray about these areas of Christian liberties and where God would have us. You should know in your heart and mind when God wants you to rest, have a plan, what what day it would be. You you should know what the Lord wants you to do in regards to to social media. You should know what God wants you to do in regards to to alcohol. All of these these different things that you should know what God wants you to do with a donut, right? You, You should know what... God wants you to do with with vegetables. This is part of his relationship with us where we're seeking him and we can say, I'm fully convinced in my own mind. I've searched the scriptures. I've peace with the Lord. This is what the Lord would have for me to do. In verse six, he who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. For he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and give God thanks. This is the key. It needs to be unto the Lord. If you're, you're eating this, eat it unto the Lord in thanksgiving. If you're resting on this day, do it unto the Lord in thanksgiving. If we get our eyes off of the Lord, then we have com- completely missed it. Verse 7, for none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. This reminds me of Scott and Nancy that passed away in in the car accident. They were living unto the Lord, waking up, saying, What's the purpose of today? We're to to live unto the Lord. They've now gone home to be with the Lord, and what are they doing? They're living unto the Lord. (laughs) They're in heaven, living unto the Lord. We sing these songs in faith. They're singing these songs in reality of being in the Lord's presence. So if you're alive, it's to be unto the Lord. If you die, it's going to be unto the Lord. Verse 9. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why did Jesus die for our sins and rise again so that he would be the Lord of the dead and the living. He wants to have this position of authority in our lives. That's what it means for him to be Lord, that he's the boss, that he's the master. We're taking authority from him. He's calling the shots in our lives. He died, he rose again to provide forgiveness, and to be the Lord of our lives. So Jesus, you're my Lord. So I'm giving my time over to you. How do you want me to use my time? How do you want me to use the, the talents you've given me, the treasures that you have entrusted to me? Joy comes in our lives when we allow him to be the Lord of our lives, when we allow him to have that proper place in our lives. For why do you judge your brother, or why do you show Contempt for your brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, "As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue sh- shall confess to God." So then, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. As believers, we stand before the bema seat judgment. First and Second Corinthians talk about it, and it's literally a reward. This is not for whether you're saved or not. We're saved based on the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. This is our life passing before the Lord where what we do in this life is judged by the Lord. And he graciously gives reward, saying this was done unto me, I'm rewarding you. And then things that were of ourselves are going to burn up, and the Bible says we're going to suffer loss. It's clear in the text, we're to take our eyes off of judging everybody else in this area of Christian liberties and focus on this fact that I'm gonna have to give an account to God for my life. Notice it's only for your life. You're not gonna give an account for your spouse, for your kids. Rocky Mountain Calvary, for believers that you're in, connect group. You're not going to be going before the Lord and going, Lord, they, they ate donuts, you know, but they, they smoked, smoked tobacco. They, they went to the movies. You know how expensive the movies are? Like, are you okay with them going to the movies? We're going to stand before the Lord and have to give account for for our own, own life. Jesus actually taught about this a lot, To lay up treasures in heaven. We don't fully grasp this on why this is important, but it's going to be important in heaven. We're we're going to care about these eternal rewards. One of the reasons I think we're going to care is because we're able to present it before the feet of Jesus in worship. The elders in the book of Revelation presented their crowns before the Lord in worship. So it is important how you live your life. It is important to take these areas of Christian liberty before the Lord and allow him to to lead us and and guide us. Verse 13, Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in a brother's way. So the effort that was put into judging needs to be put into making sure that I'm not causing a brother or sister to stumble in these areas of liberty. You may have liberty in the Lord to drink alcohol in moderation, but somebody else doesn't. And you know that about them, you have a choice to make. Am I going to try to tempt them in my liberty? Or am I gonna choose to use my liberty in private and when I'm with them, just to to honor their conviction? You may not know their background, Maybe they've come out of the abuse of alcohol and it's been bondage in their life. Maybe it's wrecked their, their family for, for generations and there's a lot of wisdom for them and they haven't shared all of that with you. They've just shared, hey, I have a conviction to, to not drink. Once you understand that, to then say, I'm gonna honor that and not try to, to tempt them with my my liberty. In the illustrations that are given us in Romans chapter fourteen. If there were those in the church of Rome that had a conviction of God to only eat vegetables, you wouldn't have them over for a filet mignon barbecue, right? With a little bit of broccoli on the side, you'd say, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to cook up some really good vegetables and salad, and we're gonna get into this. Here we go. You know, chickpeas. What can we make with chickpeas? Right." because I don't wanna cause them to stumble. Now, I do wanna say this, this needs to be reasonable. Some get so paranoid about this, they're like, oh man, I I might be causing somebody to stumble. They don't live at all, right? This is reasonable where you know that they have a struggle, you know they have a conviction, so so you're honoring it, but it's not paranoia of everything I may do cause uh, someone to stumble. And then also there's some personal responsibility on our part as well, where we need to be reasonable. Some Christians, it's like, everything under the sun, it's like, well, you made me stumble. Well, you made me stumble. Well, you made me stumble. Well, you might want to watch where you're going. You know, like, there's a balance here. There's a balance to that as well. In verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So Paul says, I understand that there's freedom in the Lord. That God has created all things and food to to be enjoyed. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Don't destroy God's redeemed treasure. Write that down. Pray that through. I don't want to, with my food, with my Christian liberty, destroy God's redeemed treasure. Again, this is seeing someone through the lens of the gospel. Jesus loves them enough to die for them upon the cross. So yeah, I'll willingly lay down my food in order to to build them up and to provide encouragement. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken evil be spoken of as evil. So it's good for you to enjoy that meat unto the Lord. Don't do it in such a way where it's spoken evil of because it's causing someone to stumble. I love verse 17 for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Relationship with Jesus, the kingdom of God is not a bunch of external rules of of do's and don'ts. It's not about eating and drinking. God's number one concern is not about what you eat and what you drink, but it's about righteousness. It's about walking with him. It's knowing his righteousness. It's about peace, peace with God, peace with each other. It's about joy in the Holy Spirit. Kind of makes me wonder, am I missing out on some truths in the kingdom of God? Am I experiencing the reality of righteousness and peace and and joy in the Holy Spirit? for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. As we focus on righteousness and peace and joy, we're serving Christ. We're acceptable to God and we're approved by, by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. So we've seen several things not to do. Here's the positive. Here Here's we are to do, is to pursue peace and edification. I think of pursuit like a mountain lion. A mountain lion pursues its prey. This is not being passive. This is being active. This is being intentional to say, I'm going to pursue peace and I'm going to pursue edification. You can imagine some of the division that's starting to take place in the Church of Rome over issues with food, over the Sabbath, Jews and Gentiles now brought together in one body. And Paul's saying, pursue peace. What's going to bring peace in your relationship with other believers? What's going to bring edification in relationship with other believers? How can we receive one another as God has received us? How can we serve one another? I'm going to put your needs before my own. I I understand this is where you're coming from with your conviction with food. This is where you're coming from with your conviction with the Sabbath day. Inside of marriage, as believers, you may have differing convictions on some of these Christian liberties. How are you going to sort that out as as a married couple? We'll serve one another. It's going to work out if you're both in this attitude of saying, yeah, I'm willing to lay down this liberty if it is something that is weighing upon your conscience. I don't want this to be a wedge in our, in our marriage, a stumbling block in, in our marriage. So I'm willing to, to lay that down. But having this attitude of pursuing peace and, and edification, do my actions promote peace and build edification? Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So, priorities saying, I'm willing to lay down Christian liberties for my brother or my sister in Christ. I don't want to destroy someone over the sake of, of food. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. i are going to let it go. Meat, wine, whatever it may be, I don't want to cause offense to a brother or sister in Christ. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. So you've got peace to Have that meat unto the Lord. I bet a lot of you are already getting hungry after this message. It's not even lunchtime. It's like, well, it looks like it's time to have a barbecue today, right? So do it in private. You know, if you know that there's a brother or sister in Christ that's led by the Lord to only eat vegetables, then then don't do it before them and do it in your home and and do it in, in private. Really plays out in this area of alcohol. You know, you have freedom in the Lord to have alcohol in moderation. You've got a friend, a brother, sister in Christ that has a different conviction. When you're with them, just lay down that freedom and enjoy that freedom when you're alone in your home. Uh, Do it in private uh, before the Lord. Verse 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he doesn't eat from faith. From whatever is not from faith is sin. So in this conversation of Christian liberties, it actually may be sin for you if you don't have peace with the Lord and you're not able to enjoy that liberty in faith. There'll be those that say, man, when, when I drink alcohol, I can't do it in faith. And I feel like that I'm sinning uh, before the Lord. I don't have freedom in the Lord to do that. Then you need to, to honor that. So this is really cool if you think about it is God wants to be the center of every part of our life and everything that we do, can you do it in faith with gratitude unto the Lord? I can eat this in faith and gratitude unto the Lord. If the answer is yes, praise God, do it. And be aware of those around you and saying, I don't want to cause uh, someone to stumble. But if I can't do it in faith and gratitude before the Lord, then I don't have peace with God and God is not leading me uh, to do this." So what's this gonna mean? That your relationship with Christ is gonna look different than those around you. And are you okay with that? When it comes to these areas of Christian liberty, it shouldn't be this carbon copy stamp that just looks like someone else. You should be fully convinced in in your own mind to to allow the Lord to lead you. And that's what I think is, is so beautiful Is God so personal? He's such a close shepherd that he wants to to lead us in these things. A few questions for us to consider. How are we doing in these areas? Am I fighting over doubtful things? Are you in in a fight, a disagreement over doubtful things? Am I despising someone God has received? Here I am looking down on someone that God has received. Am I destroying someone that God has died for? Am I pursuing peace and edification? Am I pursuing peace and edification? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. By God's grace, through his favor, I have found Rocky Mountain Calvary to be a place that's unified in the authority of scripture and the person and work of Jesus Christ. Do we have differing views in these areas of of Christian liberty? Absolutely. But are we united in the authority of Scripture? Yes. Are we united in the person and the work of Jesus Christ? Yes. And I'm thankful for the unity that God has provided. It doesn't mean that we're above fighting. You know, at any given moment, we could turn a corner and, and go in this direction of being in a place of fighting over. Petty things, but I want to thank God. I want to thank God for you. You know, being away for a couple weeks and coming back, just excited to come back and worship together. I could feel it this morning at the nine o'clock service. You guys are ready to worship the Lord and study the scriptures. That's why you're here. You want to worship the Lord and you want to study the scriptures with God's help to be able to, to live it out. And it makes a difference. It really does make a difference as a church family when we say, that's my priority. My, my priority is Jesus. I am focused in upon Christ. I'm focused in upon his word. And Lord, I want to love believers. I, I want to love one another. So I, as a church, I think you're doing well in this area. And keep it up because the enemy's crafty. He loves to sneak in there. He wants to sneak in relationship with believers and get us fighting over trivial things. So would you stand with me and let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your sacrifice upon the cross, that you would die for our sins, that you would rise again. We thank you that you give us liberty, that you give us freedom, that we have the opportunity to to choose in these different areas led by you. We pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that we would seek you in all of these different decisions. And help us to not despise each other. Help us to not look down on each other in these areas. And also to, to love each other enough to be willing to lay down liberties for unity. We thank you for the unity that we enjoy here at Armsee. We just pray that it would increase how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. We want this to be a place, our relationships, to be ones that honor and glorify you. So, so would you protect and expand and multiply the unity that we have in Christ. In, In Jesus' name, amen.